0: This podcast is dedicated to helping high achievers on the verge of burnout reclaim a healthier work-life balance without sacrificing growth or success. Welcome to episode 30 of Give Yourself Some Leeway, with me, your host, Eugene Lee. There comes a point in our life, especially in the workplace, where most of us can be overcome by imposter syndrome. And this can lead to self-doubt and can really hinder our efforts at ever achieving our true potential in life. Today I am joined by Paul Harris and we discuss what imposter syndrome really is. How it can present itself in the workplace and how it can be characterized differently. And also how to address imposter syndrome and overcome it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please reach out at giveyourselfsomeleeway.com on social media, at eugene.leeway on Instagram, or shoot me an email, Eugene Leeway.ie. Thank you, and I really hope you enjoy today's episode with Paul Harris. Well, Paul, it's great to have you here on Give Yourself Some Leeway, and one thing that I always like to start off with with coaches <laughs> is I like to find out where they got that spark that vision to get into coaching in the first place. So, where did that start for you?
1: Uh, okay, so um, it, it came from I was working or have worked for I had a 30-year career in uh, Formula One motor racing, and um, as as the companies sort of tried to drag themselves into the modern world, they, my company in particular, then started a mentoring program for um for the university graduates and for the new starters um because people came into the company with a job to do but what they didn't realize was there were i don't know 1500 other roles within the company so we set up this mentoring program and that's kind of that's where i, I learned the background of coaching and and the, the very very simple basics of it um and obviously the more i did and the 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 results i got from it played yeah Helping people be empowered to to move and find new jobs, or or to leave the company altogether and start their own companies and things like that, I suddenly thought this is this is a pretty cool thing to be doing. I, I enjoy doing this, you know, and and I found out I was pretty good at it as well. So 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 the natural progression when when I was given redundancy um, a few years, three years back now was right. Well, I've got these qualifications that. You know the company has very kindly given me. Um, you know, obviously, made I made sure that that any training I did was transferable at the time. Um, so I, I had this portfolio of stuff that I, I could walk away with, and uh, and it's like one or two events stuck in my mind of, of people that I'd helped um, made me realise that this is what I want to do. You know, I I I, I at one time I realised I was a compulsive helper. And so, actually, by learning to coach and becoming a coach, helped me to wind that back in, which was brilliant for my sanity. Um, meant I served people better, um, and subsequently, yeah, when, when I had the opportunity, it was like, "This is it. I don't want to work for anybody else. I want to work for me and my clients only." So that's here I am. This is what
0: I'm doing. Brilliant. And let's say when the, when you were when you were in the Formula One industry. Yeah. Um, did people was coaching, uh, let's say a popular thing, let's say life coaching popular in, oh, in the formula one industry?
1: Absolutely not. No, no, um, it was then and better, you know, I only got out of bit a few years ago. Uh, and it's still a very, it's still a very, no matter what they'd like you to believe, it's still a very macho hero culture, okay. Um, and so, no, coaching wasn't a thing at all because. Certainly, yeah, I can only speak from my experience, but, you know, you were paid a a rather good wage to do a job that you were really good at. Um, So actually coaching you to get better at that job really wasn't in the company's best interest. Okay, It it was only when things started changing when, I don't know, there was, you know, people would come to a company and say, what's in it for me, rather than, oh, bright lights, I want to do this, you know. And when people were starting to become more informed, that the company and and to be fair, when when the company started realizing that maybe there were they had to like look after people's mental health and things like that, that they started to put it into place. Um, and and I think it's still it's still like that to to a certain degree. you know, so so no, really, the the thought of coaching staff wasn't and probably isn't a big thing still.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, the, the main reason I asked was, like, mm. because uh, beyond, like, the strategy of the sport, and let's say it was just, it's 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 a, it's a mental game at the end of the day is is, is what mm. I find. Mm. So I was like, I, 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 I would have thought that mindset coaching, it might not even have had that title, but mm. it was probably, I thought it might have been going on in the background anyway or it would maybe it was to some yeah. degree it just didn't have a, a a name put to it
1: maybe to a certain degree but certainly a lot of my experience was we don't have time for that right um, and especially now when when you know there's there's 20 plus races in a year teams are on a budget restriction you're there to do your job do your job as well as you possibly can and stick with it right and no one else has got time to hold your hand because they're all too busy doing their jobs properly. You know, so it becomes quite a it's a it's a razor focused um sort of you know situation where where you get in there, you do your job, you keep your head down, you do this. You know you've done your bit right and you know you've done your bit well and you rely on everyone else to do that. Um, but there's no sort of no sort of soft edges if you like where you go to someone are you sure are you able to do your job okay? you know, it's just like, I've done my bit, come on, you've got, you've got to join in then. It? So
0: it, yeah. it makes you tough. <laughs> yeah, I suppose then that questioning as well, I think that leads very well into imposter syndrome. Mm. It, it, it gets you to question yourself, am, am, am I able for this?
1: Mm. Definitely,
0: definitely, yeah.
1: Um, I can remember vividly the first first day I walked into um, into one of our pit carriages, um, and barcelona it would have been perhaps i don't know 2019 something like that i can't remember exactly but i remember walking in um and it we we were testing service before 2019 um, and the guy with me he said right well this is your car that's my car i'm doing this that and the other and i i didn't i would never been in that environment before and i was expected to know how to speak to all the mechanics on the car i was expected to know how to analyze the data on the car. I was expected to know when things were going to have to happen. At that point, I think I was far more rabbit in headlights than imposter syndrome, right? Because I walked in there thinking, I know what I am doing. I know my job. But I don't know what the rest of this is at all, you know, at all. I didn't even know, Eugene, I didn't even know what time we would stop for lunch. You know, it was like that. It was like, I don't know what happens once the circuit opens at nine o'clock. Then what? no idea you know and and, and so in, in that regard there was no time for imposter syndrome it was just like you're, you're in it now get on with it but on the other hand of course you know i'm i'm working with the the race team ostensibly who you see on telly every other week who still to even the guys in the factory are like demigods right you know they're the ones and they've got that attitude that they they believe that in themselves i'll give you an example i was i was too scared to go and ask for advice from someone that my brother that i knew from when my brother went to school right i knew this guy but i was too scared to go and approach him and ask him for some you know where do i find such and such and it's like and that's like when i look back now it's just bloody ridiculous right but it's just absolute overload um and so there is a degree of yeah I'm not meant to be here I'm standing on the shoulders of giants right and notwithstanding the, you know the drivers and people like that around that you see on the telly every weekend and notwithstanding any of that there's I, I really had to ground myself and remind myself that actually I was just in an unusual environment still doing my job very quickly and i mean very quickly by the end of certainly by the end of day two i was aware that nobody else in the garage knew what i knew about my stuff right and, and so that that helps you get over that sort of like fish out of water kind of thing right you know as long as you oh yeah okay if i as long as i ask this guy over here when i can get on the car to put my stuff on it He's not going to ask me what I'm doing with it. You know, he's not going to question me. They just accept, like I said just now, they just accept that you know what you're doing. You know, um, And that's a great leveler, actually, because it, it gets out of your head straight away. The, you know, A lot of imposter syndrome is, is, is your head second-guessing what's going to happen. right? As soon as you realise that nobody else knows what you're going to do, it levels the playing field completely.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a good way of putting it. Like, imposter syndrome is you second guessing yourself yeah. on on repeat on loop.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's the thing on loop. Is if if I hadn't learned those lessons in that the first the first time I went away, it was a four day test. So you know, if I hadn't learned in those four days that I was going to walk away from that circuit knowing that the next time I went I was going to be one of the blokes then that would have then led into imposter syndrome because I would have gone to the next event and the next event and the next event still thinking I'm the kid here and they're either going to rip me apart for being a bit soft or they're going to stitch me up or they're you know and actually getting rid of all of that helped me realize that yeah I I was just nervous I wasn't you know the imposter syndrome wasn't really a thing I was just like as anyone would be in any environment, right? You know, you get thrown into something new, you've got a right to be nervous. In fact, there'd be something wrong if you weren't. But very quickly getting past that, I'm not meant to be here stage, you know, that's that was the key. I think that sort of, you know, I guess I'm lucky that I've never really suffered from imposter syndrome for any length of time.
0: I think you've covered something really important there the difference between you being nervous in that situation when you first started mm. and actual imposter syndrome mm. and sometimes people mm. have a hard time trying to differentiate both both of those uh mm. whether they're actually just nervous in a certain situation
1: yeah. or
0: is this a recurring thing is this imposter syndrome
1: yeah 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 absolutely And. Um, yeah, you know, to to anyone who's listening, if you're going into a new situation, please be nervous, because it's going to keep you on top of your game, right? You know, if you went in nonchalant and like you know, jackalad, I didn't care, you know, you're actually not going to do so well. You know, you need those nerves. But in in terms of, you know, imposter syndrome gets bandied around as a label a lot, um, and rightly or wrongly i i think that there's there's a, a need for some people to have to be able to explain with a common vernacular how they feel okay and so um and I, I i can remember this i i was chatting to a guy not that long ago last year um and he was he'd just written he'd self-published a book and he was going on a tour to uh, to promote this book and he was coming to a town near me, so I said, oh, I'll, I'll come along. And he said, oh, yeah, it'd be nice to have someone there, uh, like a, a, a familiar face. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have a, a drink beforehand. And said, I like get terrible imposter syndrome before I go on. And I said, really? You get terrible imposter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." Oh, I said, well, tell me what that feels like. And he said, well, I stand in the wings and I just like, I look out and there's maybe <laughs> When we're not talking about big venue, 200 people, he said, 200 people there. And I feel that, you know, I, I feel that what I just so nervous, so nervous, so simple. See, so you don't get imposter syndrome. Okay. You're not standing there thinking, I am not worthy of being here or anything like that. What you are is nervous, right? And you're nervous because you want to give your audience good value for money. Okay. and this guy as it happens he's he's on tv a fair bit so he his audience has come because they've seen who he is they already know him right so and he's not turning up as it and i said to him you're not turning up as anyone else you're turning up as who you are and that's who these people have paid to come and see right and these people and i I pointed out to him these people deserve to come and pay to see you talk and i could see him i never really thought about that but it's just nerves, right? They can't hear what you're going to say. They don't know what you're going to say. They can't hear what you're thinking rather than not hear what you're going to say. They can't hear what you're thinking. So they don't know what you're planning on saying next. So you can't say the wrong thing. And yeah, they've paid because they want to pay to come and see you. So actually you've got an audience of 200 people all on your side from day one, from the moment you walk out. And he's like,
2: oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I feel much better about that. That's not imposter syndrome, but that was the label he'd given it. You know, and, and that's that's a dangerous game to do that. You know, I, I, I believe that imposter syndrome is a behavior, it's a behavior a characteristic almost of the way people behave. Um, it's not um, I don't know, nervousness, what is it? it's an emotion, maybe, or or something like that. Imposter syndrome, you can see repetitive behavior traits from people. Right Because yeah, a syndrome, right it may it is a thing it's it's a a real issue rather than just no
0: when it comes to imposter syndrome in the workplace
2: mm-hmm.
0: are there let's say common characteristics that you might see in people that you know uh, to identify imposter syndrome uh, whether you're experiencing it yourself or you might see it in your colleagues
1: yes i I, I believe so um it's been identified that there are sort of like various traits if you like um but bearing in mind these aren't exclusive to people only who have imposter syndrome right they could just be the way some people behave but things like you'll have the person who's the expert on the subject matter expert okay knows everything about everything and won't be challenged okay um and there may genuinely be there are some people who've got brains the size of planets right and they genuinely are experts and they genuinely can't be but there are people who you know aren't that smart but behave as if they are because they're hiding behind it and and this look this is this is what people do with imposter syndrome they put a smoke screen up right so you've got you've got the expert the person who can't be challenged who will always have a comeback, a reason, an explanation for why something is like something is. Um, or you've got the perfectionist. okay. And the perfectionist is great because what they're doing is they're using delaying tactics for finishing a job. Okay, They will over plan. They'll spend you know, 95% of their project time planning. And then the rest of the other 5% not achieving anything. Okay. They'll always push the deadlines they'll always be late on something because it's just not quite right yet And actually what that is that's a fear of letting something go because in their heads they're telling themselves, I am not worthy of putting my name behind this, whatever it is. or a little bit like perfectionist is is um is like the superhero, if you like, right I've got this stand back, this is mine, you know, and doesn't let anyone, have a look in okay they're the person who can be a little bit condescending maybe you stand aside small person I've got this one you know and and you you know these people right we've seen them as a combination everywhere you go and, and again the superhero just cannot accept that they need anyone else to help them and the, the same with 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 a trade like the soloist, if you like, they're another one. I'm going to do all this one. I'm not even going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm just going to do it all. I'm going to like, keep it all to myself, and I'm not going to share my notes with anyone. I'm not going to share this. I'm not going to share that because all they've got is this. And all these people, um, what they're doing is they're smokescreening for through a fear of being found out. Right? They they don't believe that they're the subject matter expert in the room. And the, the last one, the natural genius, right? Again, a little bit like the expert, He's he, he, she, them, they are just the person who knows everything about everything, okay? Or if they don't know, they'll damn well go and find out. they don't want, you know, you're not gonna tell them, they'll go and find out in their own way how, how they need to find stuff out. And, and it's all about putting, hiding behind this cloak just putting the shield up. You know, if you're, I should imagine most people who are who are listening or what or watching this will at some point have sat in a room with people with one or more of those character traits. And, and if you think back to that time when you were there, what were these people really doing? They were just isolating themselves, right? And by isolating yourself, you're beyond question, you're beyond attack. Because you've put this barrier up, that you've told everybody else in the room, I don't need you. So you've become you become aloof, okay? So you, in your head, you've elevated your status above the people in the room, and to the people in the room, they say, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna ask them, you know, because of their attitude. I'm not even gonna offer them help or anything like that. So no one ever gets to show this person, up, which is this person, you know, the the imposter syndrome sufferer's biggest fear is being shown up. So they they build this thing, this big wall about themselves. So no one can talk to them and there's no risk of that.
0: I think it also helps if, if you're experiencing imposter syndrome yourself mm. to be able to identify with these character traits. Oh, totally. It, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it does help to go down that rabbit hole and look at these different character traits. And be mm. like, "Which one am I? And mm. um am I'm, like I'm sure there's like a list of questions where you can like figure out which which character trait are you. Mm. And even by identifying it, as as you said, you know people wrongly using the word imposter syndrome and using that to shape their identity and be like, "Oh, I just experienced imposter syndrome and being taken up the wrong way. Mm. Um, the same with if you were to take on the person or the identity of the character trait. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I'm just a natural genius. This is what I do. And this is why I experience imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. You mm-hmm. like some people tend to latch onto that identity and just go with it and be like, OK, if this is me. This is how I am. And um, I can't change anything about it. It's just who I am. I'm going to always live with imposter syndrome, whereas mm-hmm. for their own sake and for their own health. They're better off identifying it, seeing it as like a diagnosis. If you go to the doctor mm. and you you don't feel well or you know there's something wrong with you, and the doctor says, Oh, it's because you have chickenpox. You're not going to be like, Great, great, I have chicken pox. This is going to be like my identity the rest of life. I'm just mm. Mr. or Mrs. Chickenpox, and <laughs> that's 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 my identity mm. for the rest of my life. You're going to be like, Okay, no, this is something that I just have to deal with, and uh, let's say. Take medication or something, and yeah. rest, rest and recovery. And I won't have chickenpox in the next couple of weeks, and I don't have to worry about it. I, hopefully, I won't have to worry about it again. And uh, the same with identifying your character trait um, with imposter syndrome. You'd be like, okay, um, I'm I'm a soloist. I no, I don't like asking people for help. No, mm. I, no, I I don't like people coming to me and offering help because it makes me feel like. I can't do the job on my own, and that I'm just not competent to finish that job. Mm. And next thing you realise mm. is they're like maybe allowing someone to help me is helping them feel more valued as mm. uh, as a colleague or as uh, as an associate in my life. Maybe they feel like they're uh, they get more fulfilment by maybe helping out from the task, even though I know I could probably do it by myself.
2: Mm.
0: And mm-hmm. even even just by increasing that awareness and kind of flipping the script a bit, instead of being like, I can do this. If someone tries to help me, I won't go straight on the defensive and and be like, no, I can do this on my own. You kind of flip the script and go, it's actually doing them a favor or it's it's of value to them to help me out on this task. Mm -hmm. And if they offer to help on this task, maybe I can teach them how I do the task to my full potential And help mm. and help train them and it's about mm. flipping the scripts to get out of that imposter syndrome cycle mm. and 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 use it to your benefit and and maybe mm. uh, let's say by identifying that character trait, you can overcome your imposter syndrome as a result but again it's about people trying to get people into that mindset that right. it's not about finding your character trait and using that as your identity going forward in life it's about finding where you stand now, and how you can improve from there.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I it, it's interesting. I was thinking, like when you when you said like the the, the chickenpox analogy. The the great thing with chickenpox or a broken leg or yeah, and you go to your doctor. Right? You can see that, right? It's anybody can see when you've got a physical, noticeable illness, right? I've got you. How do you know you got chickens? I'm coming in spots, right? How do you know you got imposter syndrome? And until you realize, you know, until you see it, and I think you you hit on a really, really good and, and quite an important point there is that if you've recognized that someone is leaning into one of these traits too much, okay, and there is there is someone who, you know, the soloist, you know, to use your Your analogy is like there's someone who's keeping everything to themselves, who's the gatekeeper and, and what have you. Everybody loves to be asked to help. Okay. So, yeah, if you do spin it around the other way, exactly as you said, you know, if you've noticed that someone, in your opinion, could do with just letting go a little bit, just opening up a little bit, what better way to do it? How better to empower someone? than to elevate their status right but not how they've just done it themselves but you actually give them that elevated status and you say buddy you know what you're talking about i could really use your help here and and yeah they will come and they will help and then the trick then tricks are a wrong word because that sounds disingenuous doesn't it but the what to, to really make it work for, for the person you're trying to help them is you've got to then just slowly, slowly, slowly get them on side so they trust you and then you can start to say actually, it's, you know, then they'll see for themselves rather than you saying, haha I told you so, they'll see for themselves that, that, that working together is better than working alone, okay? Or it's okay not to know stuff right? Because
2: despite
1: what what some what some people would try and tell you we don't all know everything right in fact none of us know everything and there's always that's why you work in teams right that's why when I said earlier about you know, going to the garage and at the end of day two or whatever I was considered to be the subject matter expert that's why I was there right I wasn't there because they had a spare seat on the bus you know and 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 to actually to be able to allow people who have put this wall up to realize that they can work with other people or they can offload onto other people without fear of ridicule, I think is, you know, it's it's a a little bit of a balance that you have to do. Um, Because it's it's people
2: who get their heads in this bucket, if you like, it's difficult for them to get it out, you know? Yeah. Just gonna throw this out there. What
0: yeah. do you think that there are any positive impacts to like having imposter syndrome? Is there any, let's say, positive effect of having imposter syndrome?
2: Gosh. Um, I think it probably depends on on how it represents itself with you. Um one thing for sure, imposter syndrome will do is it will keep you safe, right? Um, and if you are given to playing safe,
1: it'll it'll keep you there for sure. Um, so it depends what you want, I think, as well. If, but you only presumably. I don't know. I'm I'm not a psychologist. I'm just like, presumably you would only get imposter syndrome if you have ambition. Okay. Because if you've got no ambition, if you've got no desire to elevate your status, to, to see something through, you don't need imposter syndrome because there's nothing to give it to you. Okay. There's no reason for you to feel less than anybody else. So I think,
2: can it be? Can it be a good thing? I think yeah, for sure. It'll, like I say, it'll keep you safe. It'll also probably stop you doing something really stupid. Okay,
1: um, I don't know if if you if you didn't have that level of caution, almost that imposter syndrome will give you, you'd think you can do anything, right? And we can't do anything, right? Otherwise, we'd all be queuing up to tightrope across Niagara Falls, right? Because we all think we could do it, okay? So you need that, you need a level of caution to keep you safe. Um, And sometimes maybe it will give you that second chance to think about something, just to take a deep breath and say, and just to reevaluate, is this really what
2: I want to do? I think that, could possibly be an upside to it. Um, but whether that would
1: just come as a byproduct anyway. If you don't tackle it, what's
2: if you have imposter syndrome, you don't tackle it, what's going to happen? You're not going to do anything. Right. Because you yeah. will never yeah. complete that task. You'll never ask for help.
0: Yeah. I, I think that, that was kind of similar to my angle, is that um when it comes to imposter syndrome, uh it's kind of a common trait to people who are high achievers or mm. creatives. Uh let's say if you're a music or art, if you're a mm. perfectionist, that's where imposter syndrome comes in, where you feel like I'm not good enough, this project mm. isn't good enough, um, I'm I'm not qualified to pursue this goal, pursue this career, to um, give advice on this topic, or give advice on this subject, to mentor someone, uh, or to coach someone. This, it's, it's where all these self-doubts come into play. Mm. Um, and it's like, if if people were always overconfident and they went head first into everything, um, yes, it can be to their detriment, they Mm. sometimes, yeah, failure, failure is the best way to learn, Mm. but Mm. sometimes, yes, you are taking that risk. Some, some people might jump headfirst into something without planning or anything. And next Mm. thing they put, either put themselves in danger, they might put others in danger and they might um, hurt other people, let's say relationships with Mm. other people as a result too, because Mm. the imposter syndrome, in a way, it does make you take a step back And Mm reevaluate, which is a positive effect of imposter syndrome as far as i can see that just from my perspective that if if i was to look back at any time that i felt imposter syndrome um even when i first started the podcast Mm. sometimes when i was when i was doing episodes i take a step back and be like am i qualified to talk about this and if imposter syndrome didn't set in i probably would have waffled for hours talking complete another waffle and be like, okay, this isn't going to help anyone at the end of the day. Yeah. But I was going to be like, air, I I recorded an hour. I'm going to throw it out there and, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I had the imposter syndrome and I was like uh, that self-doubt set in, I was like, I'm not qualified to talk about this subject. It made me take a step back and go, right, I'm going to spend two or three days researching this topic until mm-hmm. I feel confident to talk about it. And then structure an episode until I feel confident that this is something that I might want to hear.
2: Mm.
0: And, then I, and, and then I'd record it and publish it. And then I was more confident in it. And as a result, because of that imposter syndrome and self doubt kind of holding me back, being like, I'm not qualified to do this. But at the same time, me reevaluating and saying, How would I feel qualified to do this? Mm-hmm. It produced a much higher quality episode are or, or some or at least a project that I was more proud of at the end of the day. So I think in a way, it is helpful to have imposter syndrome to some degree. I, I, I think for 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 me for a long time it was, you're not qualified to do this, you don't have any certification to do podcasting or anything. I was like, is there a certification to do podcasting? I don't know, but I don't have it, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> and uh it 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 was literally that thought and that over analysis the whole time going through my head. Yeah. And next yeah. thing it was just when I took the leap forward and just said, like, just, just do it, see how it goes, see if you like it. Mm. And if you don't like it, look, reevaluate and and, and improve next time. Mm. And it was it was. I, again finding out where my um let's say what was the underlying emo- emotion of that imposter syndrome yeah. and addressing that um so in in me going off on a tangent again but it's to just just bring it to a fine, fine point is that imposter syndrome is an effective tool. Let's say it's okay. Maybe it's not a tool you want to have in your arsenal, um, but it's it can be used to your advantage. Mm. Uh, at times, it 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 gets you to take a step back and reevaluate, rather than going headfirst into everything. And uh, uh, like, so, and, and again, some people it it does work for some people, and they just learn from their failures. But I think when it comes to high achievers and creatives, they feel like they don't want to waste their time the, the first time they might put a lot of effort and sacrifice into something and they don't want to feel like um that it was a complete failure that they can't come mm-hmm. back from mm-hmm. and sometimes they actually appreciate taking that time to plan and reevaluate and then Absolutely. and then mm-hmm. perform mm-hmm. so yeah in, in a nutshell I, th- I think having a little bit of imposter syndrome in the kind of in the back of your mind that makes you Take a step back and reevaluate for a second, mm. but don't let it overwhelm you and stop you from taking action. Yes. I think that's yeah. that's where the fine line is.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's certainly when it stops you doing something is when you lose, without a doubt. Um, interesting that I think you gave two scenarios there. Um, one which I would almost question was it imposter syndrome was when you were saying, "Yeah, if you've been on." yeah, you've been wanting to talk around the subject and then thought, I'm not qualified to talk around this subject. Is that imposter syndrome? Or is that you realising that you don't have enough information to talk around it knowledgeably? Right. Whereas when you said about, when you thought about setting the podcast up, I'm not qualified to do a podcast, says who? Right? You've got an opinion, you're qualified. You've got a camera, you've got a microphone, you're qualified. Yeah. Whether... You know, and so there I think you've got two very different situations there, right? There are there are people hosting podcasts who are household names. Okay. They will give you imposter syndrome because you know who they are and they're doing a slick job of it, and they've got X millions of listeners and they've got deals with Spotify and Amazon and stuff like that. Right. That I get it. Yeah. Am I qualified to do it? Am I the right person to do it? But do I know enough about what I'm about to talk to? I would say is caution, and not imposter syndrome, and that catches safely.
0: Yeah, that is a good way of looking at it. I, 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 and again, I think that just brings back to trying to identify the traits. Mm. Um, I was, I was like, what's the underlying emotion behind mm. it, and, and mm. what, and what's stopping you? Um, so yeah. I, that that, that that is a good point. Maybe it was just uh, my uh, caution holding mm. me back, and, mm. and being like, "Here, Eugene, hold yeah. back a second. Don't do, yeah. don't follow through on this just yet." Yeah. Uh, that is an interesting point. Yeah,
1: and, and, and that that was well placed, right? Because <laughs> there's nothing worse than an idiot with confidence, right? And if you'd gone gung ho into talking about something you didn't know something about. That's exactly how you would have come across, right? You know, and these people get found out, um, and and this is what actually this is. Uh, you know, I use the term because we I used to use we, or we used to use it a lot in my job. Idiot, with confidence, like because when somebody you know the are saying a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. When somebody, it's the opposite of imposter syndrome, totally the opposite. When someone's seen what you do and think, hey, I could do that, right? And they go and they screw it all up. And But they're the people who are perhaps the biggest threat to people with imposter syndrome. And they are the ones who would probably, <laughs> in a situation, if if, the, if you've got real imposter syndrome and you're sitting next to someone, an idiot with confidence, right? They are your absolute nemesis. Because they're not even going to notice that you've got imposter syndrome or they'll think they can add value to what you're saying right so you if you imagine yourself in a room with a guy with an imposter syndrome on the left hand side and an idiot with confidence on your right hand side man you've got a job to do to keep the two of them like a level balance um so again imposter syndrome will keep you safe from these people right because you can just you can just shut them down you you will just shut them down you'll turn away
2: from them um,
0: But in the long run, whether it helps, I don't know. Yeah, as soon as you said that, I was there. Like I've been in so many situations where, let's say, as where where I feel that. I'm not qualified to talk about this topic. But next yes. thing, some idiot starts speaking up and starts spewing out random. I was like, oh my god! I was like, and I was like, I know for a fact that's not true. But they speak with such conviction that everyone believes them.
2: And next <laughs> thing, I just like, and
0: then you try to call them out. I'm there like, I was like, I know that's not true, but I don't feel qualified to talk about this sub topic to correct you because I'm not sure if my facts are true, or, yeah. or if they're validated. So I would mm-hmm. hold back and be like okay, I'm not going to speak up because I can't validate what I want to say. Mm, but mm. they can speak with complete conviction about simply what they believe or sometimes they don't even believe it. They just like, they they let their mouth do the talking and they don't mm-hmm. even think about mm-hmm. what they say.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: And that, that, I think that's very dangerous. And, and and I suppose that's coming from me where I'll always like to have some reference or backup to what I say, whereas some people mm-hmm. just like to speak their mind freely.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I I I I think to to look at that that kind of
1: people is going to be the sort of person who will stand in a bar and tell a story slightly too loudly, right? And throw away a few facts about this, that, and the other. And it's probably the the you know the laugh, the the center of the laughter in a room. Um, and and you as a cautious person. You wouldn't be doing that because, like you say, you don't you don't want to be found out as the idiot after the event, right? Okay. So, and and I, I've seen this happen. I've seen people give you know talks and use quotes during motivational talks that when I've gone home and checked them out, are utter rubbish. Okay. And and you and you sort of think then, oh, I've got, I can't, I've got no comeback. Okay? And so, what that does. And here's the thing this is where i'm going with this is that as a rational cautious person you've checked those stats right i'm not going to repeat that line that guy said because actually it turns out the x y and z is a lot of rubbish okay and so you let it go right but if you've got if you're prone to imposter syndrome again you're going to sit there and you're going to say why did he think i was going to suck that up what does he take me for right he thinks that he can get better. You know, he thinks he can feed any old shit at me and I will take it, you know? And, and so your, your, your internal monologue starts straight away, right? And it starts with, he knew more that, you know, even though you know deep down in your, in your brain that he's an absolute idiot, right? Your imposter syndrome is saying, he is more popular than me. He knows more than I did. He can engage an audience better than I can, okay. And it just starts this churn,
2: okay. The the person who, yeah, I'm sure, I'd like to think. Anyway, you being human,
1: that there will have been times when you've walked away from a situation. You've, I can't believe I said that out loud, right? You replay a thing, you think, oh, I, you know. And, you know, the, the, the fact is probably whoever you said it to couldn't even remember you said something and it didn't matter. But because you question it, OK, because you've got that logic. Now, the idiot with confidence wouldn't question that it said something stupid. Right. The guy with imposter syndrome would question it silently and constantly. OK, until it became them. You know, and there's your danger. and. You were saying, you know, about how do you recognise it and and things like that. Ask if if you ask yourself. If if you know that you've been in a situation like that, that you compromise yourself, just ask yourself why. Okay, I've got this this thing. I I don't know. It was learned from when I was working um, in in, in 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 a quality environment. We were, you know, a simple tool. You'll get to the root, of the root of the problem if you ask why five times, okay? Do it the same with yourself. If, if you think, oh my God, I said something stupid, right? Why did you think, why did you say something stupid? Well, I was excited. Why were you excited? Well, I got carried away by these people. Why did you get carried away? And eventually you'll come right down to the base level of it was regrettable, it's done, it doesn't matter, okay? If you ask, someone with imposter syndrome why did you behave like that why did you behave like like a superhero why did you burn yourself out when someone else could have helped you and they will have such a long list of reasons why okay and it'll go on forever and ever and ever and if you ask the idiot with confidence why did you why did you say that unchecked fact well it doesn't matter you know and they'll have a really short list okay so the, imposter, the person, I wish there was a term for someone, with, there must be a term for someone with imposter syndrome, but they will continually be checking themselves. Why did I say it? And they won't come up, here's the other thing, they won't come up, in my opinion, okay, and let's, let's put this out there, I'm not being an idiot with confidence now, I'm just giving you my opinion, um, I hope, um, that they will come up with what they will tell you are reasons for their behaviour. But actually they're excuses. And I think that's
2: what sort of they they will they will validate their behavior with excuses. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a
0: Yeah. I I I get where you're coming from. Yeah.
1: I mean, by all means, yeah. You know, it's, like I say, I'm I'm not the expert. This is just what I've,
0: I've yeah really from from experience. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And most often, the more threatened they feel, the bigger those excuses get.
2: And when you when you think of the workplace,
0: there are definitely certain roles, let's say, where you can see that more prominent. Mm-hmm. Like, like it can come out uh, in in certain in people in certain levels of the organization mm. and you mm. think for a second you think okay maybe is it um is it a power complex or something yeah, but yeah, yeah, it could yeah. just be their imposter syndrome um taking taking hold or it could be an overconfidence mm. it's, it's 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 and then again it's it's hard to sometimes it can be hard to differentiate whether they're coming from a point of overconfidence in their role or Mm. are they trying to compensate for their imposter syndrome Mm. in that role Mm. and they're and and they're that they're either trying to overcome it or to mask it
2: Mm. Mm. yeah
1: Uh, uh, and i think that's where you then take half a step back and you give it time okay to to sort itself out you know if if you've if you've ever been unfortunate enough to have been promoted into a position that you weren't ready for, you'll know exactly how that feels, right? You'll know that, oh my God, I've I've now got this responsibility or I've got to do this task. Um, so so yeah, so you, you you come back with a little bit of bullishness and yeah, you you see new young managers maybe ordering people about, you know, have a complete personality change. From how they work, because something in them is telling them this is how they have to not be questioned about what they're doing, you know. Um, and yeah, I, I've seen some brilliant, brilliant people promoted above maybe twice above their abilities, and it's the wrong way to reward someone for doing something right, because actually what you do is you set this trail of destruction off in them you know that that they either recognize quickly someone goes up to them and says you know can you help me and they work together and it, it comes out or they just don't stay in that role for them
0: you know and yeah and ex- exactly on that point there it's many times people get the the promotion and they might go up a level or two but they're putting that role as like, oh, you were great as, let's say, a junior manager. We're going to move you up mm. senior or above. Mm. And But they don't get any training or anything. No. They, they just get landed in that role. and They're like, just learn on the job. Hey, you were great as a junior manager. Let's see how you t- take this on, take, take on this new role. Yeah. And next thing they find, they're over their heads. Maybe they yeah. enjoyed uh, the position that they were in, their, their, yeah. their level of responsibility, and they excelled at that. But next yeah. thing, when you put them straight into a higher role, they're like, "Okay, now I'm overwhelmed, and mm. now I'm struggling to mm. uh, to keep up my responsibilities. I'm not, and 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 then it's not maybe it's not even a case of imposter syndrome. It's it's the fact that they they know that they and, as I said, I when I know I'm not qualified to talk about a topic, and I know I need training, mm. and and and. You're kind of put in that situation where, again, sometimes people just can't can't approach their senior management, or they can't mm. ap- approach their boss and be like, "Yes, I'm grateful for the promotion, but I'm not up to the task. I need training."
2: Mm.
0: And and again, that's that that's another difficult situation to approach, and, and it's it's about trying. Sometimes it's it's about having that confidence to admit it and go to senior management and be like Mm. yes i do appreciate the position and i want to perform at my best in this position but in in order for me to do so i'm going to need training on this i'm going to need to delegate Mm. some of these duties that you have put on me to so and so Mm. and if you want me to take on this extra responsibility i'm going to need to dedicate the next six months on training to make sure that i can do it to a certain standard Mm. it's about having those conversations rather than let's say go uh trying to do it all yourself getting overwhelmed and not achieving those results mm. Mm. um sometimes it is all about having that difficult conversation that some people just f- they they feel it's they, do, they don't want the hassle of having the difficult conversation because yeah. they feel like they could be jeopardizing their new role or their new promotion mm. but I, I again this is my opinion but like if 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 someone wants to promote me into a higher role then they must have a belief that I'm capable of that role to some extent Yeah. and if they are so quick to demote me because I say I appreciate you bring me into this role and I want to perform my best but mm-hmm. in order for me to do so I need this this and this mm-hmm. and they say oh you're causing too much hassle I thought you'd pick it up quicker I'm going to demote you again that seems like a lot more hassle and you're demoralizing that person back to junior mm-hmm. role and this mm-hmm. is, is they're like are they going to perform to the same standard now that you've demoted absolutely not. them? absolutely yeah. not exactly so it's it's about having that conversation and seeing yeah. exactly yeah. where you stand and sometimes it's a matter of let's say you could enjoy that junior manager position or or wherever you were and next thing you're promoted and next thing you feel, they're not treating you the same anymore now that they see that you're not of as of the same value in the senior position as you're mm-hmm. in the junior position.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But flipping the script a bit again, it's like, OK, I'm I excel great in a junior managerial role, but I'm not appreciated here at, at senior at senior management to do the training. Yeah. And then they look elsewhere.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and And that way, the company has already jeopardized a good junior manager. Rather than giving them the training or the the help that they needed or that they were looking for,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I, it
0: just comes back to work culture again, and and, and maybe there's a, a matter of uh, is is there an element of work culture that uh, brings on imposter syndrome or that let's say encourages that imposter syndrome kind of. Festers as a result of people being put into a bubble where they can't approach someone for help. And and are they feel that they they feel that they can't approach someone for help, even though they probably could. And, mm-hmm. and and they feel that they can't reach out to colleagues or their manager.
1: Yeah, I think you know, I mean that's that that's there's no straightforward answer I don't think, but you know, I, I've seen it, I've I've worked for some amazing people, some, some really empowering bosses who have, they've just been so motivating. It's been, you know, I, if, if they if they called me, I'd be there straight away, right? And, and yeah, and, and I've seen these people, these CEOs promote other people, okay, into positions that these people weren't capable of. But because they were such a, it's ironic because they were such a good boss, because they were such a great leader um, and so charismatic that the people who've been promoted didn't want to question it. Right? Didn't want to let them down because they're so good. These, these, yeah, you I know, love this bloke. Da, da 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 I don't want to let him down. Therefore, I'm not going to, if he's told me I'm good enough to do this, I must be good enough to do it. So I'm not going to question his judgment. On the other hand, I've worked for line managers and bosses who have had imposter syndrome themselves and who have tried to keep various members of their staff down for fear of being shown up. Um, And in both cases, you're not going to go to them and say, can you help me? Can you nurture me? Can you lead me, right? One, because like the first guy, the, the, the great boss, you're not going to go to him because you really don't want to upset him and make him think you've made a mistake, right, and you've got too much loyalty for him, and the other one, because you know that he's going to pin you to a wall, right, and he's going to make your life really difficult, so there's there's that dynamic going on, plus the, you know, it's like you, you go home, wait, I've been worth <laughs> five grand, ten grand pay, rise. they think I'm worth it, I'm not going to tell them I'm not worth it, right, and so you start leaning into it, and so it's almost, let's like, say, everybody has to take a breath
2: and say, how do we make this work properly? You know, because what, what what's, what's the
1: current at the moment? Is it something like three times your annual wage it costs to re-employ someone?
0: Like it's, I, it's- yeah, by the end of the day, by the time you go through trainings and yeah, 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 recruitment yeah. and everything.
1: yeah. So if you've got that investment in a member of staff who you've promoted... Right, allowing them to, to nurture a feeling of imposter syndrome is going to be a big, expensive mistake. Not to mention the knowledge they're walking away with, you know, or you've just destroyed them for. So I think that from a, a company culture point of view, yeah, if you're going to have this thing of we're going to reward with promotion, I'm going to say put the package around it that will properly help you get the best from you best from your investment let's let's take it away from the personal thing now right a business is all about money okay if you're investing i don't know let's say arbitrarily let's say you're investing 50,000 pounds a year in someone and it's going to cost you 150,000 pounds to replace them it's got to be worth a few grand making sure that they're going to be okay yeah. That's what companies need to sort
0: of lean into a lot more. Yeah, I think that ties in very well with my next question. And that was around, like, how does a company create that workplace culture uh, to kind of to be more supportive of people when they do experience that imposter syndrome? I, th- I think and I think we've already t- uh, covered some of that already. Is about I think the company has to come to that realization as well that it's going to cost mm. them more. If if their staff are feeling imposter syndrome, or if or, or if they f- they mm. feel incompetent in any way, it's a massive step forward for someone to uh, come come to their management and say, "I don't feel up to the task. I need help with this." Yeah. I, I and and that's coming from a perspective of where they care about their job, they care mm. about the project that they're working on,
2: mm.
0: and they care about that seeing that project to completion, mm. and they're approaching the manager to ask either for more time um, for help uh from maybe another member of staff or mm. to come to the manager and saying like maybe i need more training or maybe i need more maybe external validation from maybe mm. benchmarking with another company or mm. let's say uh, getting getting training uh or maybe getting testing from uh an, ex- an external company to come in or let's say out of house testing and they're coming from a perspective of they want to help bring this project to completion mm-hmm. whereas a manager th- sometimes takes the uh they they kind of see one side of the story and 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 they just kind of blindside them and be like okay you're not good enough to finish this project forget about it mm. uh you're not good enough for this project i'll just give it to someone else mm. whereas that person could have brought that pro- project to 100% completion and they were probably 50 to sixty percent of the way there
2: mm.
0: whereas now you're starting back at zero and and again that's expensive well, less than zero yeah. less than zero exactly um yeah. I, again it's it's pe- people looking at that face value and being like okay if if you're not good enough um to complete the project you're not worth it are mm. you you're you're not worth the, the um completing the project Rather than being like, "How can I help this person go the last forty percent mm-hmm. or how can i uh, it, it's it's like looking at the return of investment
2: and
0: mm-hmm. I, I and I think sometimes they when it comes to um training uh and and the kind of nurturing uh the talent within the company, they don't look at the return of investment that comes from training their, their, their staff and their workforce.
2: Mm.
0: They kind of look, I'm, I'm paying you a set wage per month, or this is your salary, and you either perform the task or you leave.
2: Yeah.
0: And they look at it at face value with that, rather than seeing this person has been working for the company for 20, 25 years. And yes, they went to college maybe 30 years ago, and mm. now they might feel that they're outdated. We've brought in these new computer systems. They feel a bit outdated. Maybe yeah, they need a course on how to how, how to work with these computers. Yeah. And and just by giving them a course, it might take them six weeks. It might take them six months. And next thing they realize, oh, instead of me hiring new staff, uh, bringing in a new team of 10 people and training them up in how this company has been working for the past 20, 30 years, I just have to give someone a six-month course, yeah. and they're excelling.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Totally. It's about how,
0: how do you shift um like how do you shift a workplace's culture to see that perspective? How how can you implement that culture? I know it has to come from it has to come from the top down. And it's about to a degree.
2: To a degree I would say it can be driven from the bottom up. It like it doesn't have to
0: let's say it come from, it, it it can be hard. Well from the bottom up, when, when it comes to training and stuff, it, it depends. It, it all it, it all depends yeah. on. Uh, oh, of course, so, so, yeah,
1: yeah, you're, yeah. If you're talking about getting them to spend their money, it's got to come from the top
2: down, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, it, it, yes, the let's say the the shift in perspective can let's say come from let's say employees might speak to their, to their line manager mm. and um, and bring it up, but mm. it has to come from the top down to change the workplace culture. It's hard. You can't bring it from the bottom up. Let, let, so, so some people yeah. might speak up I, 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 again my opinion is that some people might speak up and from the top down they'll see them as loud people mm-hmm. and, and and that wouldn't change the culture whereas if it comes from the top down and, and let's say they're more transparent and they bring the vision to the company that's what inspires the workforce
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I think there's there's also a danger um that, that actually it's, it's got to be collaborative. Um and, and there's a danger that not everyone will buy into it. Okay. I know this from experience that you know when we set the mentoring thing up, not everyone buys into it. Some people just think of it as a bit you nabby know, pamby. What's all this hand-holding Malaki about, right? That's fine. But if you if you've got a relationship with your manager, which Hopefully, most people should have, or or could nurture, unless unless the wheels have come right off. In which case, you might as well not be there. Okay, if you've got a halfway decent relationship with your manager, and if let let's say one of your employees came to you and said, "Look, Eugene, I like the way you work. I I see that you know the way you work is the way I would like to work. Would you mentor me?" Are you going to say no? Okay. Likewise, if you promote someone and you say to that person, look, here's a job. I know it's what you've not done, it's not what you've done before. So I will find you or I will myself mentor you for six months, twelve months, whatever it takes. Right? This goes beyond. This is that that doesn't cost much, right? A couple of hours a week, maybe. But that makes it, that's a personal thing. Okay. And that goes beyond, and that just spreads, right? Because then you empower the person that you have put in, that you've promoted. They'll say, I like what you did there. I'm going to do that. And it just starts to spread by osmosis. And you can't introduce a company culture, you grow it. Okay. So there will be people. At the top of the company who don't get it, don't see the need for it, right? This is a load of rubbish, da-da-da. And they've probably got their own imposter syndromes, which are causing that. Okay. Right. If I buy into this, they'll they'll rumble me that I'm actually not the hardened up boss that I want everyone to think I am, or whatever, right? But if you let it grow, if you Again, again, it is just like you know when you see the guy in the meeting room that you've been in who is quite clearly struggling. You just take it offline a little bit and you say, you know, how can let's 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 start a conversation about how you can show me how to do this or how we can work together and uh, and what have you. It, it grows. This is it's a way of behaviour rather than a rule that the company runs by, right? And you'll know that there have been some people you've met, maybe you've not worked for, but some people who you would follow across the Sahara if they asked you to, right? They're the sort of people that are going to get the best out of you, right? And the other people who, you know, you wouldn't lend them a fiver for for lunch if they came without their wallet, right? Right? Okay, they're not the people who are going to grow the company culture. They're not the people who are going to help you grow as a person. Okay, and and these you you just kind of find the right people. Um, and I know I've gone off track there a little bit from the imposter syndrome thing, but there's a reason behind it. Is because these people who nurture don't have imposter syndrome. They're they're not hiding behind anything because they're confident enough. Okay, so. Yeah, if you do see yourself as this person with the imposter syndrome, this person shouting the odds in the meeting room or shunning any help, and you don't, you'll soon know, you will know deep down inside, if you question yourself, why did I behave like that? You'll know really whether you're happy doing it or not. And let's face it, inside everyone with imposter syndrome is probably they're quite unhappy.
2: Sorry,
0: yeah. I thought I preached a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose, yeah. I think when it comes down to it at the end of the day, I think it has to come from the vision. The, the company's vision is basically where, where the culture grows.
2: Yeah.
0: and And that has to come from the top down because if there's any disconnect from the top down, that's mm. where, that's, that's where, Let's say toxicity kind of festers mm-hmm. i like like if if the message comes from the top down and uh, um let's say manage there's a change of management and they don't see i t i with the original vision of the company mm-hmm. and uh peop people then want to let's say approach and be open about challenges and new management is like not hearing any of it, get your work done uh mm-hmm. it's it's um it can. It takes a long time to grow a healthy work culture. Oh yeah. And
2: yeah.
0: you can, you can literally you can destroy that almost overnight. Then by ha- if 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 you have a change of management that disconnects from that company culture, mm. it um, it's almost like it's it's it, oh, it's trying to ha- the, the difficulty of growing a positive, um, company culture. Well, again I, I think that's what we're it's it's harder let's say especially in larger companies mm. uh, because you there's so many facets mm. uh, and and so many branches it's mm. it's yeah we're we're getting into very very difficult territory here going way off from imposter syndrome yeah. so let's yeah. try and get back to imposter syndrome like <laughs> <laughs> um what would be your key takeaways someone whether they're um, feeling imposter syndrome, or maybe they're uh, witnessing someone else who they may feel have imposter syndrome? um or how do they approach overcoming their imposter syndrome? Again, you don't have to answer those. it's It's not a lightning round. You don't have to answer those questions. but what would be your key takeaways when it comes to imposter syndrome?
1: I think that the a lot of it comes down and uh, um, this is from this is personal experience I guess. Um, when you're deep in it you can't see it okay when you're in the maze you can't find your way out but at some point there will be a moment right and maybe the light will just flicker on now and again or whatever and, and or you' you'll just know, I don't like myself right now okay you, we get these feelings, I don't like myself. And trying to challenge that is obviously really difficult because let's face it, if you've got imposter syndrome, you're not going to say to someone, I don't like who I am at the moment, right? You just carry on being a bit of an ass. Okay. Now, we, we've spoken around the five character traits, if you like. If if anyone watching or listening to this has recognised that, oh, yeah, I'm doing that, just ask yourself why you're doing it. Okay. Just take a few minutes to ask yourself why you're doing it um, and chew it over for a little while. And see if can you help yourself doing it? Maybe it's just something you're doing and, and it's like a knee-jerk reaction. From the other side, from the person who if, if you see someone who appears to be um, suffering with these suffering exhibiting these these
2: symptoms, there's nothing you can do until they're ready. Um, because you know, here's the
1: thing in life, no one's coming to your rescue, right. You have to rescue. You've got to put your own life jacket on, okay. So, until if you see this is happening to somebody else, in whatever it is, but this in particular, if you see this is happening to somebody else. You can't do a thing till they put their life jacket on, okay. When they have, then you can help them, okay. When you see someone, I don't know. You've just got to be there, right? You've just got to be there on the periphery. Like I say, ask. The best, you know, ask someone to help you, ask them for their advice. And it will soon start to come out. But you like we were just saying, you nurture a relationship, right? And that is how
2: you start to help somebody without helping them, if you get on a trip. Yeah. On the other
1: hand, if you if you do see that, that you know you're in you're in a you're in a right model here, you're you're behaving in a way you don't like, you walk out of the rooms oh, Believe I alienated everyone again today, you know, or or you just think I really shouldn't be there. I don't know what I'm doing. If if you know this, if you're consciously aware of it, well, first thing is give me a call. But you know, find somebody who can help you because these people are out there, you know, whether it is a mental health first aider at work, whether it is someone from HR that you trust, whether it's just a mate you want to go and have a beer with. Right. There will always be someone. Okay. And they they may not, as we both said, we're you know, not experts in this, but there is always someone who will know someone who can say, Oh, go and give these people a call. You know, the, I think the the most empowering thing anyone can ever say is, I need help. Right. And that's a very short sentence. But it lasts for years and it makes such a difference to people. Right? Um, and this, this is the key. This is why I coach, right? This is why I do what I do, is because people get to a point where they say, I'm not really sure I like where I am right now. Okay. And this is
2: just one of those. If you don't like where you are, it's voluntary. Move on out.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think that's another reason why, uh, with the podcast especially, with with Give Yourself Some Leeway, it's all about raising the awareness, getting Mm -hmm. people to have that conversation. And if they need help, to have that courage to take action and get the help that they need, Mm
2: -hmm. because
0: that's the only way for them to get out of, if they're stuck in a rut, get out of Mm -hmm. that rut and to level up their lives. Mm. To, and, and to start that growth, to start mm-hmm. that growth journey is by mm. finally asking for that help that they need.
1: You know, we've all asked for help for whatever reason at some time in our life, you know, Yeah, you know, whether it's when you're a little kid, when yeah, you're playing and, or you just need help you know, putting something together, to when you're an adult, when you don't understand grown up things like mortgages and things like that, you go and ask people for help, right? It's just what you do, right? So if you do find find yourself blocked, then we've got this wonderful anonymous thing called the internet, right? Okay. It is full, it's full of bad advice, but it's full of help. Okay. And no one has to know who you are. Right? No one, and I think people get a little bit caught up in what will people think if. Okay, when you go and you do voice your opinion, your your feelings to a professional or someone who's trained or whatever, they're not judging you. And this is your biggest fear, right? Especially again, with the imposter syndrome, your biggest fear is being judged, right? And the, the times that actually you will hear
2: a coach or say, doesn't matter what I think, Right, because it absolutely doesn't matter. The key
1: is what you as a client think. Right. I'm sitting here now talking to you, right? I've got no idea what you're thinking. Right. You could be thinking, bloody, this guy's going on a bit now. Right. I wish he'd shut up, whatever. But that doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter to me because I can't hear your thoughts. And this is exactly the same. If you if you go and you ask someone
2: for help. Because you're a bit muddled. Right? No one is going to judge you for asking ever. It's that simple. You know?
1: If you don't like who you are, if you don't like the way you're behaving, if you're scared, go and ask someone for help because they will help you. And if they say no, you've asked the wrong person, ask someone else. Right? You know, there's how many billion people in the world? Someone's going to say yes,
0: So Paul. If anyone does want to reach out to you for help, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you?
1: Um, okay, so my website, all of my social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram are all just Paul Harris coaching. Um, actually, LinkedIn is Paul Harris coaching as well. So I'm very unimaginative when it comes to uh, to to labeling labeling places or, Um, website paulharriscoaching.com find out a bit more about what I've done how to get in touch and what I can do to help
0: Well I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Give Yourself Some Leeway and if you did please rate and review wherever you're listening to this it makes the podcast more easily found and if you got value from today's episode please share with family, friend or loved one because they may benefit from it just as much as you did. If you have any questions or any feedback on the topic, or maybe ideas for future episodes, you can reach out to me at giveyourselftsomeleeway.com or send me an email, eugene leeway.ie. I read everything myself and usually respond within a day or so. So, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a great day and we'll talk soon.